0: Welcome to the Film Hull Podcast. I'm Raul, joined today by...
1: Trevor. Who else Who else would have been here?
0: Uh, I mean, some filmmaker could have been in your seat, whether <laughs> it's you or not, and some scientist will be here to cover for me when I'm, when I'm away.
1: I like that idea. We just, like, the person has to, like, be reflective of, like, what we do in life.
0: You know, I could be anybody. Exactly. And this week, we watch the movie, like, every other week. Want to tell them what we watch, Trevor
1: maholland drive
0: mm-hmm. david lynch 2001 really early knots Mm-hmm. we picked this movie we try like to you know if we're gonna play a movie by a director we like want to try to put on the docket like the best representation or like the best movie from that director or like something that's
1: has that been our strategy so far Ooh, i think is, so that has not been my my approach to the list at all oh really yeah
0: You've been doing the worst movies. You've
1: been... <laughs> I'm just picking the movies that I love. I like how you were just like, this is how we've been doing it this whole time. but This is this never... is the system. This, this is... is
0: what we've been doing.
1: <laughs> we've never had a conversation about this.
0: That's true. But in this particular case, I think it does happen to be true. Because yes. like, I just had in mind, I'm like, we're going to watch a David Lynch movie. And we're not going to watch Eraserhead. So.
1: Why weren't we going to watch Eraserhead?
0: It's just like particularly slow and weird i was just watching a little bit of it today yeah super crazy but like not as watchable as we'd like to keep it for the for the streaming episodes
1: that's interesting i think (laughs) some people like can't get through david lynch like at all like in any in any form Mm -hmm. so it's funny that like watchability like came in (laughs) came into play at all with him
0: this is a we can talk about it some more we can even just delve right into it but I think of all the movies like this one is the most watchable like it even has like a Hollywood twist ending yes with with the realization that like things weren't as they seem the whole movie yes so it's one of those M. Night Shyamalan type moments
1: it's interesting because uh Grace said something similar where it's like she didn't expect that uh it was all a dream would be the ending uh-huh because usually that has like pretty bad connotations but like good lord we don't we don't fucking say that David Lynch has any bad qualities in this household so she had to like grapple with that for a second she's like wait a second like it was all a dream is like a bad thing for movies so is that like a
0: super cliche (laughs) thing that
1: yeah totally what's a bad example of that oh of course I like can't give you any like real examples maybe this movie is where the cliche comes from (laughs) it could be I doubt it. It's totally a cliche.
0: What kind of... I've been watching a lot of, like, sitcoms recently, and dream sequences are something that you can always just drop in as an excuse to, like, put anything in front of the camera. Uh Uh-huh. Like, crazy things that... don't Like, if it's a realistic show about real people, you can have a dream sequence with aliens or whatever you want. Uh Uh-huh. And it's just self-contained within the dream sequence.
1: It's really, like, a disappointing, like, mechanic because I, I feel like I can always detect it. Like, not this movie, because this movie's like, the reason it's great is because you can't, but, like, in other movies where it's, like, obviously, like, a dream sequence, where you start, where stuff starts to seem weird, outside of the rules established for that show or movie, Mm -hmm. you're just automatically like, oh, this is a dream. I would have liked to live in a world where anytime something, like, weird happens on screen, I don't immediately go to dream. I'm like, oh, this is, like, now there's aliens in this show. Like, I just accept it.
0: David Lynch does that for me like exactly like I don't think that this movie is like as simple as like it's just a dream like there could also be like some twin peaks uh what's the word I'm looking for like paranormal weirdness going on
1: cosmic stuff yeah
0: yeah yeah something like that like for this movie what if the explanation of everything is that like aliens I don't know just alternate dimensions (laughs) or something (laughs) like that
1: we always go back to aliens in the show
0: the thing about like the if you want to it's just not so clean in this movie to explain the entirety of like the first part of the movie as like a dream sequence Uh uh-huh. because some of it just like has to be chalked up to just like surrealist imagery or something like that. Sure. Yeah. Like why was she able to like go into her apartment within the dream and like see her own dead body.
1: Sure. Yeah. I always question like if we ever even need to do this but do you want to talk about the plot very quickly.
0: I would yeah let's do it okay we don't have to go quick about it either we could just like run through the plot because you and I have not had a chance to like debrief on the movie and what we saw true
1: you've seen it I I haven't so
0: yeah I've seen it and I've you know noticed a couple of things I hadn't noticed before but more or less it's still like as enigmatic and confusing to me okay so scene one in the movie is the (laughs) key to the whole thing do you remember what the first scene was
1: Is it you talking about the the dance the iPod
0: shuffle dance
1: iPod shuffle dance? It's got like weird iPod vibes and I think this is this is very pre Apple stuff So I wonder if the Apple stuff like liked this, but yeah, it's like a dance contest or I actually like The it being a contest I got from like an explanation video that I watched afterwards there's not really to me on screen any like true evidence that that's what that is so no it, not at all I it's, mean, it's just, just
0: black it's just silhouettes of people dancing to like oldies like jazz music Greek yeah dance music
1: on like a solid purple background and then there's like some overlays of um Naomi Watts and um like this old couple like and it looks like they're posing like for photos or something that's right and so like when I first saw Naomi Watts I thought like oh maybe she's like a fashion person or like a movie person or a dancer i don't know and then the old couple i assumed was like her family uh-huh and then from they were
0: the- uh i don't have the that scene pulled up in front of me but they're the same old people that like she met at the airport right in The next scene right yeah what do you think those people are like in light of the ending of the movie they come back at the end
1: i have no idea oh they're
0: like tormenting her
1: yeah what if well, they are
0: her real parents, dude?
1: No, they're not. Uh, well, maybe they are, but the the father, or the, the old man... <laughs> I'm just, like, already, like, accepting your theory. Uh, but the old man is, like, nice to meet you, like, right before they leave. So I, I figured out that, like... From oh, that's the airport? The, yeah, that's the first time they've met. No, but well, that's...
0: Like, everything in the beginning of the movie is, like, now, um, like, not real, right? Right. So I'm Ooh. thinking, like... What I'm thinking is that it's her mom and dad, and um, she has a strained relationship with her parents, and that's okay. why they tormented her in the end scene when she killed herself.
1: I see. Okay. They, like,
0: flew at her, and, and then she's like, oh, no, mommy and daddy issues. Ah, I can't take it. Yeah. And the thing that happened, like, with the whole movie compared to, like, the the twist at the ending is that her name is not the name that she... She, like, switches names around. She, like, switches characters yeah names and identities around so you could easily take two parents and just make them into two people yeah friends on airplane
1: yeah that is how dreams work too right and it's just you pair other people's like faces with different names
0: and the next morning it's like you were there but you were randy i'm
1: like right okay what? trevor <laughs> i don't even know a randy so it's extra weird but uh right after that you see there's a shot of what looks like a pov shot like going over a bed and then like the camera like falls into the pillow that like follows the the dance footage stuff
0: oh right right i wanted to bring this up so what do you think that means
1: i didn't like i wasn't expecting to watch this movie and be like maybe it's all a dream so that kind of i glossed over it the first time i saw it i like didn't even remember that that happened yeah. Um. And then when I revisited the film, I'm like, oh, okay, this is pretty telling. Like, it it seems like, okay, this is the beginning of the dream. Like, okay. the, everything that follows is the dream.
0: Do you think that it's, like, her falling to bed to her death? Like, it's kind of like the theory I had is that the whole dream was, like, something that happened in her brain, like, as she died.
1: No, I don't think that's what happened. You don't think that's what happened? No, because I think that, like when she wakes up in quotes like when the cowboy like wakes her up and she like makes coffee and she like talks to her talks to her neighbor i think that's when that's the end of the dream
0: oh so it was literally a dream mm-hmm uh okay
1: i think that the dream starts at the pink pillow shot and then like the cowboy tells her to wake up and that's the that's the end of the dream Oh. and wow. everything and everything that follows there is like a couple weird things, but I think everything is like after that is a stress induced hallucina- hallucination. Got it. Got yeah. it.
0: Okay. That's much more linear and straightforward than when I was trying to like cobble together.
1: I will say though, like, I think that if you accept, like, all right, this movie is just kind of like two parts, or like two thirds dream, one third real, uh, that it can seem a little like simple. And I don't want to, like, uh, just explain away, like, everything with, like, dream logic. Because yeah. I do, I do like your tendency to be like, well, it we could, there could be other stuff going on. And I think that there's some validity to that. So I don't want to, I'm just making the disclaimer that I don't want to just dismiss all of this movie as, like, dream stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm still reserving, like, a little pocket of reservation that wants to believe in
1: the, that this all
0: happened in the Black Lodge. <laughs> the whole time
1: or is it the? i thought it was the white lodge
0: isn't there both
1: i don't know i haven't gotten that far yet don't spoil things for me
0: you haven't okay that's i mean i'm
1: vaguely aware of what the white lodge is but i that's it
0: trevor is like watching twin peaks right now and i Mm -hmm. told him to just go ahead and like finish the first original seasons before this episode but it looks like you haven't done that
1: you didn't tell me to do that
0: i floated the idea
1: you did, but I told you I wasn't gonna do it because I was gonna watch Fire Walk with Me, first. Yeah. So that's where we're at.
0: How can you not know about the White Lodge? You only have a few
1: episodes. Left. I know what the White Lodge like. They talk about the White Lodge, but like I feel like there's a lot more to come with that, and the information they give you about the White Lodge, at the current episode I'm at, is very limited. Like okay. it's been it's been hinted at that it might be some kind of like other dimensional thing. Uh for a little while it was like literally a house like (laughs) people said like this is literally a house like on the other side of town and now it's like oh the white lodge is a legend like it's a native american legend and Uh now they're talking about it as something like bigger uh supernatural
0: didn't justin like insinuate that a lot of this stuff was like made up on the spot in real time
1: the Holman Drive stuff for Twin Peaks stuff.
0: Although, like, that Twin Peaks, like, mythology stuff is He He said,
1: like, one thing where he touched the hood of a car, and that's how he came up with the idea for the Red Room. Uh huh. Because his hand got hot. <laughs> 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 Which, like, it's kind of a stretch to, like, automatically be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like, heat and red, I guess. That makes
0: perfect sense. To to get- David Lynch just like felt like a weird <laughs> sensation, and he's like, "Oh," and he just like had a surge of.
1: He, I did watch an interview with him about like the process of riding *Mulholland Drive*. You go to a used car
0: dealership. Just imagine David Lynch like walking through a used auto lot, and he's just like with stre- hands outstretched, like touching hot car surfaces. <laughs> oh, oh, David. David Frost. What's the the other guy's name? Mike
1: Frost. Mike Frost. You got to listen to this.
0: The Red Broom.
1: Okay, so back to the plot. Yeah, I think that's the beginning of the dream. And I think there's a video that I watched that actually helped helped me digest a lot of this. The downside is that it's probably tainted a lot, of my opinion, because it made so much sense. But it's Mm -hmm. the same YouTuber that made that video about uh, Primer.
0: That we really? Read, like that 20-minute illustration?
1: Yeah, yeah. That's
0: fantastic. It
1: doesn't have the same production value, but, like, yeah, it's that same YouTuber and use the same, like, tone and, like, very, like, monotone, like, description of the of the movie and, like, what she th- believed it mean. Okay. And I think it was called London City Girl, if I remember right. So, right. Yeah, so what'd they say? They just explained it, like... They just kind of like moved through the plot like we're, like we're doing now. She said that the uh, everything where you s- uh, have Naomi Watts as the actress, that's the dream, obviously. And then when the cowboy wakes her up, that's when she uh, wakes up, and everything is a, a hallucination or s- something afterwards. And she uses like several pieces of evidence to back up like uh, what is in the real world. So she says that uh, Naomi Watts and the other actress uh, had a, had a real-life romantic relationship that was in conflict with the actresses and the director's relationship. And then when uh-huh. they got married, or announced that they were getting married, that she hired the hitman, uh, or a hitman, uh to take her out because she's so upset by the fact that she's getting married and that she's more successful and they can't be together. But she feels really guilty about it and you see that in like the masturbation scene where she's just all like disheveled. And then um she's like obviously like stressed out, uh, because she's like hallucinating that the actress is still there, like in her apartment. And That's then right. it, and I think the ultimate like guilt or this, this I'm just kind of citing what this YouTuber taught me, but the whole guilt of uh, trying to kill that other woman has overwhelmed her to the point of uh, where she has a mental breakdown. And that's why the, the old people show up and like terrorize her into her own suicide.
0: Okay. tried to kill her and like succeeded by the end. Right.
1: They tried to kill her. Oh no, 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 you, uh, tried to kill the other actress like the is that what you're talking about yeah i can't i wish i could remember ne- her name i should just look this up well
0: they fucking switch they use each other's names for like half the movie so like
1: well that's, that's just, not her that's name. gonna be
0: doubly confusing
1: well th- it's weird because this is the other thing the youtuber helped help me learn is the uh the name like this triangle of names that's yeah it's like passed around <laughs> it's a, uh, so betty like is that's her fake name that is her fake that is Naomi Watts's Watts fake name that's the actress name like the successful actress name but the real Betty is just a waitress in the the Winky's diner like you see Naomi Watts in the diner yeah. twice once in the dream and then once in real life and like the names are flip-flop between the waitress and Naomi Watts both times got it so like in the real world the waitress is Betty and Naomi is Diane and in the dream the waitress is is Diane and Naomi is Betty
0: yeah I caught that so that's just um that's the fake name that she gave herself and like that's where she got it from in the real world
1: right Uh uh-huh yeah
0: like they say like when you dream that like your dreams can be affected by what you've done in a day so like if you saw um, a green truck maybe you would dream a green truck so basically that kind right. of th- idea
1: yeah your own subconscious manifesting in like disjointed ways in a dream okay the other actress she's credited as rita so i'm just gonna call her rita because rita's like what she thinks her name is at first because she reads it on a poster right so i'm just gonna refer to that person as rita from now on so we were talking about her feeling guilty and ultimately succeeding and killing her right mm-hmm see i didn't know if that happened or not like i didn't know if If, like if
0: the hitman really killed her
1: right because you you don't ever see that right
0: you don't ever see it but they they explain the key thing they're like
1: yeah you're right because he's like the this will be here like when the deed is done or something it's like his calling card or something right like he he leaves it
0: that's right so he explained like in the diner when she handed the hitman the money he said like when it's done like you'll find a blue key in your apartment uh-huh and so then that was in the later scene i think that was the scene i forget what percept if that was the scene like where she was masturbating or not but
1: i think the the masturbating scene followed that scene i'm not really sure what's weird though is that like the structure of the movie isn't as you can't really really say like okay the first the first like 45 minutes to an hour is just a dream because like there are scenes that like take place like throughout like the dream narrative that uh-huh appear to be real so it's like oh, we're, really it's like we're taking commercial breaks like from the dream to see like the real world in some instances
0: like which scene like the guy with the eyebrows with the jump out monster like that scene didn't relate to the real story at all
1: that one could be one although I don't know
0: could be real or fake
1: I think the one uh where where we see the hitman you know where he like bungles like the hitman job yeah if anything like that might not be real but it is it has nothing to do with like the Betty character and it's strictly like showing us who that character is supposed to be and so like if you're using it to like Build, if you're using that scene To build the idea of like what's real or not It's more likely than that 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 scene is real Because the, ru- the rule with the dream right Is that everybody is l- a little flipped around Right, they're not right. Uh, They're not exactly who they're supposed to be Each time But this uh-huh. guy is The only time we see him is like being a hitman And then in that diner So I have to assume that that's like a real thing that happens right yeah i definitely want to believe that at least some of the weird stuff is like
0: real in the middle of the dream sequence
1: Mm Mm-hmm. but I, i i don't know it's it's tough to say because i also saw in the video that that could just be like her projection of that guy to like make him out to be kind of a inept hitman so like Maybe oh, that. Wow. Maybe that's her mind being like, "Oh, I hope that he fails because he's like just a dumbass." So this is my brain manifesting that, that so idea. That makes so
0: much sense.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Like in real life, the hitman, the same actor, right? It's the same actor guy that plays the hitman that but bungled everything up, mm-hmm. uh, and then like the super serious one from the end.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: like in real life, he's so serious and like. He makes like death seem like a really real thing, doesn't he? But then like the first hitman is almost like a cartoon. Yeah. Of what Hitmans look like on T V shows and movies. Yeah. So it could totally make sense that like she would that that's what she would dream of as like a hit.
1: Yeah. It could this be one. but I don't there's no like hard hard evidence to say so. But then you see him one other time. Let me see if I can find it. Where I actually I don't even know the context of the scene. It's just like him outside the diner or outside of not the diner uh pinks. That's it. Yeah. And he's just like talking to somebody, but I don't remember what they're talking about. I remember it, it didn't feel like it was important. <laughs> Let's see here. 4446 is the time code.
0: Okay, got it. So this could be either real or fake, like you can't really say.
1: Yeah. So he's asking this woman who appears to be a prostitute if there's any, like, new girls out on the street Mm -hmm. and asking about a brunette, so Rita. And I assume, and he's like, uh, maybe she's a little bit beat up. So it sounds like she got away or that he tried to kill her and she got away or the car accident thing happened and, like, what we're seeing is actually a dream like part of the dream world you know what i'm saying yeah i do but you see like the weird the weird thing about this is like in the beginning with the car accident stuff the guy driving is not that hitman you know
0: right oh my god what i'm pulled in too deep we need to like just bury this (laughs) it's just going to there's too many layers i can't keep up
1: yeah they're... All
0: to say that I'm agnostic whether any particular scene is, is made up or real, but it does seem like there might be both cases Yeah, scattered throughout.
1: Let's uh, talk about your, you've got a couple notes in here. It seems like just notes for us to catch up on things. So you want to talk about Moonrise Kingdom and or the fountain. That's right. What do you want to know?
0: So you've seen both of those now. Yes, I have. Moonrise Kingdom is one so that's actually a movie that I've seen before that you were seeing for the first time and I saw the fountain, which I had seen before. You have seen before. Yeah. And little, you're seeing for
1: the first time. Yeah. A little
0: exchange. So what did you think of uh, Moonrise Kingdom?
1: It was cool. The viewing experience was really interesting. It was outside. Uh-huh. There's a local theater here who just like projects up on a wall. Like not
0: like a drive in or
1: anything. No, it's just like a parking lot. Like they have these little like like chalk circles. There uh-huh. are like designated social distancing areas and it's oh, just a cool. br- bring your own camping chair kind of thing nice so th- so that was really cool it was kind of hard to see because it's like in a parking lot so there's like street lights and they were oh, like no. <laughs> they were like, competing with the light of the projector <laughs> but it was still fun and like they just had this little like concession stand like at the corner of the parking lot where you could buy beer it was a lot of fun very cool And felt very responsible and safe, which is, like, more than I can say for a lot of other businesses. But the movie itself, it was, like, the funniest Wes Anderson movie that, like, I can think of in my recent Mm -hmm. memory. It just just seemed like it was, like, nailing me with, like, joke after joke.
0: (laughs) What was the funniest funniest thing for me is, like, Jason Schwartzman's lines. Yeah. He's like, buddy, like, I'm taking that jar of quarters or whatever.
1: I'm taking this can of nickels it's a can <laughs> take <laughs>
0: what's funnier a jar of quarters <laughs> or a can of nickels <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right enough about this uh, quarters and nickels enough enough nickeling and diming this conversation
2: oh we
1: have a very special guest with us this week you know him from episodes such as beetlejuice and what else raul
0: el topo i
1: believe he did yeah big influence on that episode lifelong david lynch fan
0: Lifelong film hole fan, too. Yeah.
1: Huge influence on the podcast and me personally, really.
0: Yeah, I'm quite taken by him. Yep.
1: It's none other than our friend, Justin Wheatley.
0: I'm honored, man. Thank you. Thank you. So, Justin, Trevor and I have just been like talking about we're trying to get our head around the plot, how much of like the movie is like made up or dreamed.
1: Yeah, this is like a question that i still have which is it's really easy to just like wave your hand and be like this is a a, it was all a dream type of situation and you could even like set some markers at different parts of the movie and be like this is where the dream is everything outside of it is just real and anything weird is within the dream but is there like more than that like is there more depth to the movie than just dream on and off depth is like the wrong word i should say like is there more like weird stuff going on yeah. is
3: there a more complex mechanic at work than just just yeah this I mean, is dream, dream this isn't dream
2: uh-huh.
3: uh i mean if you're asking me i would say that i i feel like dream is kind of too simplistic of a word i mean i think we all understand that we're not we don't literally mean like i mean it could mean a lot of things it could be like the interior life of someone it doesn't have to be She's asleep right now and dreaming this, you know, but I literally I think th- she's asleep though. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think it's, I think because when they, I think the key to the movie uh, is when they go to the club for the first time. Uh-huh. I think the MC mm-hmm. lays out the entire premise of the movie, which is that. It's all an illusion. Mm-hmm. It's all a recording, as he puts it.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And I think specifically the movie is referring to like Hollywood okay. and celebrity culture, the the stuff that she's trying to attain. That makes if, sense. If if we're if we're supposed to ascribe sort of a tangible like, is she asleep right now? I would say it's closer to, in my opinion, it's closer to like this is her sort of vision before she kills herself or as she's dying. I think, I think Raul maybe said that
1: after the movie. Yeah. And that's I agree. Not what I thought. Well, I feel like my evidence for it literally being a dream <laughs> is, uh, the, the first little sequence that you have, like the iPod, like dance number. And then the, you see like what looks like a POV shot go into a pillow. And then like, if you follow the scenes beyond that shot, it's not until, like, the cowboy comes into a room and is like, it's time to wake up, that things, like, start to seem like they're real again. So, like, it seems to me like that's a pretty clear, like, in-and-out point for, like, Dream World. Yeah. Right?
0: I think so. I would like to believe that, like, the scene of the falling POV shot was, like, if, if she shot herself while standing and then that's like the shot of like her dying as she falls to the bed. And she didn't shoot herself age. standing though. I know, she didn't she didn't do that, yeah. but but the entire like duration of that fall is this entire like saga that we saw. Yeah. That would be cool.
1: I do um Justin just made me think of this. I like the the idea that um that simplifying this as like a narrative that I'm supposed to figure out is doing the movie a disservice because it's like David Lynch is, like, an experimental, like, avant-garde filmmaker that doesn't need to, like, make a quote-unquote, like, Hollywood easy-to-follow story movie. Like, it doesn't even need to be, a like, a movie that you understand. Uh. Like, it could, it could just be, like, an experimental film that's, like, presented as a Hollywood movie. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't have to m- make sense narratively to me. Like, it could just be an art film on that way but like yeah 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 because it's like making some sort of like comment on Hollywood it's like kind of masquerading as a real movie like right, it has right. it tol- has I narrative totally structure and characters but like ironically yeah maybe it's just a an art film under the skin yeah, yeah that's always yeah. been my that's
3: always been my interpretation is that uh it's sort of i think he's doing something similar to what uh Charlie Kaufman does an adaptation mm. if either of you have seen that where he sort of comments on movies by on hollywood movies by ending the movie as a hollywood movie yes and i feel like the the wacky um scenes like the hitman scene justin Thoreau fighting with billy ray cyrus i feel like that stuff is his idea of a hollywood movie uh-huh. and it while those plots leak into the main plot Um, I don't think they're necessarily supposed to be uh, one with the narrative. I think they're supposed to be like a comment on what she and the director and everyone else sort of swirling around the Hollywood Mm. toilet are searching for. Yeah.
0: And that's something that he's done, like he did a lot in Twin Peaks, sort of just mini scenes of completely unrelated content that's just like flavoring and like world building around this, whatever the central story is. Mm.
3: That's exactly right. I mean, actually Trevor and I were just talking about this, how he like intended for Twin Peaks to partially be a soap opera, um, not necessarily in an ironic way, but in a, like an homage. And he very deliberately constructs soap opera plots and has the soap opera within a soap opera element with the TV show that everyone watches. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel like I caught on to the that whole component of Twin Peaks pretty early just because it's, like, everybody's, like, screwing everybody. Like, to an absurd level. Like, within the first couple episodes, they're, like, everybody's having an affair. And so it automatically, like, <laughs> yeah demotes it from, like, realism. Like, the whole show. I don't know, and dude. Maybe- there's, like,
0: super bad, like, ABC teen dramas that are just, like plot lines just as crazy and ridiculous as Twin Peaks. Right, well, but and a lot of those
3: shows are directly inspired by Twin Peaks, too. Oh, really? Yeah, you know, I think the current crop of shows, like Riverdale and all that, I think they, they pretty explicitly are...
1: Huh, that is cool. So, this idea of, like, it being, like, an art film under the skin uh, makes a lot of sense to me, but that's no fun to talk about. <laughs> if it's just, like, <laughs> if it just means nothing and I'm not supposed to talk about or analyze the plot and just accept it for a comment on Hollywood, just a disjointed comment of comment of Hollywood. I don't like that. So I'm going to talk about it like it's a dream.
3: I think it's fun to try to dissect a movie. I mean, I, we, we talked about this in our Zoom call, but he pretty i i it's been so long since I've read the quote so I don't know exactly how he put it but he's pretty explicitly stated that there is like a you can unlock the movie there are there is a plot there's a linear narrative here that you could if you really tried uh you can uh
0: figure it out yeah uh-huh. so and hopefully it's not there. as simple as girl takes nap and then wakes up <laughs> <and lives inside laughs> and well, we'll be done.
1: I like you. Kind of like uh, hinted at it. It like before Justin got here, but I like the idea of like those old people being like something otherworldly. The old people and the the man who lives in the dumpster.
0: Oh yeah, we didn't even talk about him.
1: Those seem to be like real, like real in quotes, like supernatural figures of some kind. That's right. Not not just like projections of uh, Diane's subconscious.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah
3: I kind of think the person behind the the thing I don't know what it is behind the dumpster is like a the cosmic like demon entity that's causing everyone to spiral into these delusions um, okay. it's like the trickster god behind behind reality yeah uh, you know?
0: I like that I like that a lot yeah because that, that, that that's that, just that, always that, been
3: because at the end it's like I feel like he it has the cube in the bag Uh and then it drops it and I feel like that's it saying like this is it for this plot line, you know, for this life. Uh I'm done done playing with this.
0: It's kind of the inverse of a movie where like all the weirdness can be explained by like a dream sequence. It's like the inverse of that. It's like the reality is like mind-bogglingly uh, like absurd or surrealist or something and mm-hmm. like maybe the hallucination is like the real thing that she saw maybe mm-hmm. he, maybe she hallucinated like the all those ending sequences and everything else and it's complete absurdity is like the universe of David Lynch
1: yeah that's cool so what's the um I I, I really like that explanation of the the dumpster man but uh the old people they come out of his bag right where they, like, fall out of, like, the cube, the blue cube, right?
3: Yeah, one of those. I don't know if, it, if you explicitly see, like, where they come from in the bag, but they do definitely come out of the bag.
1: Okay. And so I'm curious as to, like, you see, like, there's a shot of... Okay, let's see. Yeah, so he puts the cube in the bag, in the bag and then the bag is on the ground, and then the uh, the two little people come out. It's at 2.18.47. Yeah. But, so I'm curious, in the very beginning, so that makes me think that they're coming out of the queue, but that's not what I want to ask. It's, like, at the very beginning when you see the shot of them in the car together, like, the old people, separate from uh, Diane, or Betty, I guess, and they're, like, smiling, like, so creepily, like, and in the context of seeing that, Ending shot where they come out of the bag, it seems like they're headed towards some sort of like end of life, like soul, like refuge. You know what I'm saying? It's like they've sold their like souls to this like chaos god, and like they're going to like be at peace with him or something. The old people's spirits, yeah.
0: In what sense because what they what they do what they end up doing i think like timeline was is they come out of the cube and then they torture naomi watts to killing herself uh-huh so it almost sounds like they're like demon spirits that were sent to fuck her up
1: that's my question though is it seems like just with all the on-screen evidence i have that's like the best i got for like where they were going or like what that shot of them in the car is all about Uh huh. but like i'm asking like but they do end up in the bag and they leave and torture Naomi Watts for some reason. So I can't quite put those two things together and figure out who or what they are.
3: Well, let me ask you this. Are those the, Are they the same people in the very beginning of the movie, the iPod intro, and then in the car, and then at the end? Are those at all the, the airport same airport. elderly couple? I'm sorry, yeah, yeah sorry. at the airport.
1: I th- yes, I, I believe so. I believe so.
3: So is it them at the very beginning of the movie too, when you see the brief flash of her standing between two elderly people? I think so.
1: We earlier we were talking about that, just assuming that that was the case. We didn't even mention it. Okay, because I I,
3: it could be easily looked up. I've just never bothered to. I've always assumed. Mm -hmm. Um, If that's the case, I've always taken that beginning, the intro, as this weird, like you know, impressionistic portrayal of her childhood or like her teenagehood aspiring to be some star of some sort she was probably like the homecoming queen or maybe she was like the star in all the plays or something like that she seems to be front and center Uh among all these dancing teenagers yeah and then the next time we see her she's like in hollywood with these elderly people
0: oh okay maybe that's where that like dance contest thing that you read trevor came from what big that the beginning scene of, like, the iPod commercial is a dance contest. Uh And, like, Justin just said that Naomi Watts... Like, that could be Naomi Watts as a child, like, winning a dance contest and, like, then standing with her parents really proud and beaming.
1: Yeah. Is that what you said? I I guess I missed it. Like, is... Your idea that that... I have no idea. All
3: I said was I have no idea what it is. It just feels... The fact that she that we see her among all the dancing people. It just always felt like she was in some sort of, I don't know, teenage st- starring role yeah. of some sort. You know? Yeah.
1: But what's like, who are the old people? Like is still my, so
3: this know. is what I'm unclear on when she's, when she's with them at the airport, it kind of sounds like she just met him on the plane. Uh-huh. Right. Right. Yes. But that's that could be,
0: that could be dreamed, imagined stuff. She does a lot of, character like name switching like where she will become like betty in the dream so her parents could very well be like these strangers it's like dream logic yeah like of course your parents would show up yeah. and but they weren't my parents they were strangers and you know mm-hmm. it's like that kind of thing yeah yeah i thought that's true i, mean, I kind of thought it might have been their her parents too because in, when she commits suicide if you think that's a real depiction real scene, uh-huh. it would make sense that her parents would come back to haunt her. Maybe she had a troubled past or troubled
1: relationship. I think you're s- stretching at that point, though. Because you're making like, a lot of assumptions, like, to get that far.
3: I uh, see, but I've always felt that, too. To me, it's, to me it's always been that they represent her past okay. when, she, when she was, like, happier and more hopeful and had aspirations rather than had failed. You know? Her life had had failed. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if they're necessarily her parents or if they're even connected to her, but I feel like they do represent something for
1: her. Okay. Yeah.
0: I had another kind of more supernatural thread that I wanted to tug at just a little bit. Yes. Because I would love to elevate the story beyond just, you know, this is a reality that she made up while she was napping or when she killed herself. Uh I think I think the scene of the dumpster monster laying down the bag with the box and then the box producing the old ghost people and mm-hmm. then the old ghost people go to Naomi Watts and torment her until she commits suicide and then she and then maybe that sends her to this like alternate dimension that the whole beginning of the movie is made up of this like dream world where she's a successful actor yeah maybe that's like a version of a afterlife or a death
1: this yeah, this seemed like a lot closer to my initial interpretation of this movie, oh, where I absolutely. thought it was like more dimensional in nature right.
0: and and the biggest piece of evidence there is just the connection between the fact that she was tormented by old people ghosts, and those are the same ghosts that we see leaving the garbage monster's bag and mm-hmm. it, if we can prove then by like that that scene was real of the gar any of the garbage monster scenes that those occurred in real life we can make a possible attempt mm-hmm. at proving this very mathematical today
1: my biggest hint at like it being some sort of like dual dimension thing i said donnie darko last night part of that was because you showed us that short film with the the rabbits who appear like to look like donnie darko's rabbit but uh at the end, when uh, Rita um, is in the room and she and uh, Betty disappears, she's like opens the cube and then there's like a shot of like it going into the cube. And then all of a sudden we're in like an empty, like an empty house, assuming like the house of that aunt.
2: Oh, right. You know? right. Yeah, and, yeah,
1: yeah. S- and it's like she looks around and she's like, no one's here. And it's clear from the room that, like, there's no evidence of anyone ever having been in that room. Uh And so that made me not think, like, oh, dream. Because we're seeing, like, the perspectives of, like, several people. It made me think, like, oh, just, like, they had never existed. Like, whatever that box did just, like, zapped their uh, existence out of history. I like that. yeah. Yeah. And so that made me think that the box was, like, a portal into this other world that then we see with naomi watts waking up and she's a disheveled worn out i like that a
0: lot there's something about a camera going through this like portal that like gives that act like it gives you it wants you to just like then partition off that entire world of before going through the portal Mm -hmm. and doing something with that but i think that's very suggestive that the shot of the going into the box we went somewhere right we never got back out of the box right in the entirety of the the rest of the movie
1: and like the whole like shot or a couple shots of like the ant coming back in and just like looking around for a second that seems to be like uh deliberately supposed to be interpreted as real to be like oh they were never there this is the real world you're seeing now that's usually how like those scenes play out but maybe i'm reading into it so too much but if that's the case if that's uh real I guess that's, like, evidence for it not necessarily being a dream. I don't know. (laughs) These are such convoluted
0: statements now.
1: Yeah. Not necessarily a
0: refutation of the first clause Yeah, that is simultaneously true.
1: Dug quite a hole here. Help me out. I think that makes
0: sense.
3: Well, uh, with that interpretation, um, what do you make of them finding the body.
1: That's an interesting one, because I think that that's just like, um, if you accept, okay, interpretation of like, the dream or like, the parallel dimension stuff?
3: Yeah, just, uh, reading, taking this reading to that scene, the sort of, we're in an alternate reality.
1: Alternate reality. Yeah, I don't know, I guess it, I guess, uh, if it's a dream, it's just like a premonition of her own suicide, I think. Mm. But if it's an alternate dimension
0: Or afterlife Kind of thing I'm going to lump those together
1: It's kind of what I was going to say But it, yeah it's just uh, One where a different version Like a, a parallel universe Where things are just like slightly different And like Betty is really like a good actress And meets just like a a Slightly different version of herself Or let's say like the box really was like a portal to a parallel dimension and that just like incinerated her soul on the way to that dimension. <laughs> and that's why you see her in the bed there.
3: Oh, I was just going to say, I think it's interesting that I, I'm pretty sure the body that they find, there are pills
0: next to it. Okay. Really? That would be a good, yeah. if I could hunt down that timestamp, I would.
3: I could be wrong, but I think, cause I was looking for it when we watched it and I think there were pills next to her.
0: If all this like higher dimensional stuff sounds like too silly and implausible, I don't want to like say a lot because it's about Twin Peaks: of The Return. But there is stuff in that season that absolutely takes your mind to like oh like oh maybe there's multiple realities in David Lynch's universes.
3: Yeah, hard cosine. I didn't wanna I didn't wanna spoil anything, but there is time travel and alternate realities in The Return, right. and also other. Like Lost Highway, he's done stuff like that too. It's he's pretty fascinated
0: with it. So I think yeah, I, I'm convinced you can do that with this movie too.
1: Yeah, there are no pills that I can see, Justin. I was just okay. I was just there a minute ago. It's the bed definitely doesn't look like the bed that she kills herself on. It's all really? like screwed up. I mean, it's it's definitely like the same apartment, I okay. think. But there's something else about the body that I think might be a clue that I'm trying to like. Uh, narrow down here and i'll tell you what it is if i figure we're like
0: investigators we're like gonna crack this case
1: (laughs) i didn't find it uh the person on the bed was wearing a yellow watch and so i thought that maybe that was like i could track that down on another character but i i can't seem to so if you guys can find a character that's alive with a yellow watch that's our (laughs) that's our dead in the bed (laughs) lady what about the uh the
3: blonde woman that the hitman and his lackey are the
1: prostitute yeah yeah i was just thinking that maybe we're just looking at this (laughs) what if it's like
0: another layer it's like it's the prostitute blonde person that killed herself (laughs) and she imagined that she was a slightly more successful failed actress (laughs) than that failed actress oh my god this is
3: like a this really is like a combination of all of lynch's like obsessions and fetishes like you got you got like crazy time-looping and time-traveling, uh-huh. alternate realities. You have, like, doubling and people that have, like, a double or a twin. Yeah. It's like everything.
1: Oh, along with my criteria of, you know, people who are uh, more supernatural, like the, the trash man and then the the old people, maybe, I think I would count the cowboy among that list as well. Like, he seems like some sort of extra-dimensional being, all-knowing thing. He seems For like sure. a
0: character, yeah, that, like's talked both to, like, the fake people and real
1: people. Like a go-between? Yeah. Like a, a man between worlds? A man I like, between. I think, like, somehow the cowboy, like, him being a cowboy fits with me. Like, if I was going, if I was some sort of, like, omnipotent presence, consciousness that needed to, like, speak to humans temporarily, I would definitely, like take the form of this like archetypal like character like of their culture it's like i'm going to be the human cowboy to speak to the mortals but it's
3: off like he's off right that's the funny part is he has no eyebrows and he speaks in this strange cadence Mm -hmm. (laughs) you're right it is like (laughs) a non-human entity Mm -hmm. trying to
0: with like a dr manhattan-esque glow coming off of him. Right, the best yeah. way I've
1: heard something like this ever talked about Was like the guy who wrote The Disaster Artist He was talking about The Room And he was like It was way before like all of the room hype And it was way before the movie It was just like about the book And he was like The Room if you've never seen it Is like a movie made by a space alien That has had movies thoroughly Described to him <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was always like That's such a great way of talking about something like that and it applies to yeah things. yep the landlord for justin uh thoreau's secret apartment whose name is cookie he has like the big white mustache he is also a character in the play at the end with the um the guy who says it's all an illusion like he is a stage hand for that that performance Sa- really? no shit. same no shame that's ad- crazy yeah. It's a uh, Wow Let's see if I can track down that that frame. Oh, also uh another uh supernatural person I would say is the lady with the blue hair in the balcony. Silencia, Yeah. The yeah. Hunger Games girl. Looks ridiculous.
0: So there's people like in the movie that are like two different people, like in the two different like the reality and the dream or whatever uh-huh. and there are people that are like clearly the same version in both of those so i guess that seems to be kind of like a telling thing
1: like There's who people, yes the director
0: right the director I think,
1: yeah that's right um one um, forty eight twenty three is the guy with the mustache on stage
0: 140 can you say that again
1: One forty eight twenty three yeah he's uh wearing like a red suit Cut. and he he introduces the the spanish singer
0: uh uh-huh. um, but like another example of a person that's in both is the guy with the bushy eyebrows because we
1: yes yeah uh-huh
2: Possibly. which one is that
1: the guy who oh, the who describes the, his like dreams. lawyer
3: guy at the
2: yeah
1: that's the uh before i watched this movie i had only ever seen that scene like him describing his dream to the other guy that's- That's my favorite scene of the whole movie.
3: It's great. It's great. And also, I had forgotten how early on in the movie it is. It's like the
0: third scene. Yeah, it is really far up.
1: (laughs) When I first saw it, I remember, I think you showed it to me, Raul, and you were like, this doesn't have, like, this is completely out of context or something, (laughs) or like, this doesn't have anything to do with the rest of the movie, something like that. And I think not knowing what mahalan drive was i thought it was like a collection of like disconnected stories like kind of a buster (laughs) scruggs kind of thing yeah based on you having shown me that scene i'm like oh they're just like these weird like recollections of dreams yeah like several short stories but it's it's not like a
0: magnolia style thing Mm -hmm.
3: that's that's probably not far off considering this was supposed to be a this was a pilot for a TV show. Yeah,
1: I just learned that today. It was supposed to be a
3: yeah disparate series of stories that would probably come together in the end, but probably weren't meant to come together in one movie mm. originally.
2: That's cool. It's just that.
3: hilarious that he tried selling this to ABC.
2: <laughs>
3: David Lynch thinking that this this is like how Toby Hope Toby Hooper thought Texas Chainsaw Massacre could get a PG rating. <laughs>
1: He, uh, I watched an interview where he's talking about Trying to sell it to ABC And he's like And an executive saw this at 6 in the morning From across the room <laughs> While talking on the telephone And he didn't like it <laughs> And like it's, It was like a dual interview with him And Naomi Watts And she was like on the telephone And he's like you know executives They're making phone calls all day like they do Which was really funny
3: so, let me ask you guys this. Do you think... I'm trying to keep the chronology right in my head. So, after the switches happened, mm-hmm. and she's now Diane,
2: mm-hmm.
3: uh, she's in the diner, and she sees the dude, right. the dreamer dude, uh-huh. right? Do you think she's in his dream? Do you think he... Do you think they're they they're in some sort of weird dream? Are they in the dream of the dumpster monster?
1: I think that they're at like reality distortion like central station. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> they're, up, they're at the
3: dream, they're at the dream way station. Yeah.
1: They're... So I think that that's like the that's the point where stuff just gets weirder and and more messed up. So I think they're just like tangled in their own like separate like distorted versions of reality do you think there's any chance that
0: that's the exact same shot of the the original diner scene from like the beginning that there's like any i'm curious you know is it a separate occurrence when he was at that diner and was at the cash register or was it the exact same movement what the diner scene what are you talking about there's like another shot like the same shot of the bushy haired guy at the diner scene like at the cash register looking over or was it his friend that it's his friend friend. at the register Mm.
3: but it has similar you're right though they kind of rhyme the shots to the way that they glance at each other
0: because it's a very deliberate like that's it's part of his dream he said like and i looked over yeah and you were right there you're standing right there so whoever is the person standing right there are are they a
1: dream that or like this the subject who's looking is like uh dreaming or like, oh, yeah, they're dreaming yeah <laughs> yeah yeah to put
3: a finer point on what I said earlier um, what I theorized earlier I'll say this in the return there's a recurring statement who's the dr- who is the dreamer or we're we're in a dream we're in a dream within a dream we're dreaming but who's the dreamer it's that kind of thing uh-huh. and I would say uh, that statement applies to Bohol and Drive and the answer is the dumpster monster I think the dumpster monster is the dreamer mm-hmm and everyone's in the dream, in the dumpster monster stream.
1: I love it. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, like, if you take what uh, that bushy eyebrow man says to heart, I mean, that all adds up, because he's like, there's a man outside, like I'm afraid, and the man outside is doing it, like he's creating it, and so if you just interpret that literally, mm. it's like he is creating all of these like bad, ununderstandable feelings everyone has.
3: Right. My- it's a woman, by the way. I don't know if canonically it's a man, huh. but it, cool. it is a woman
1: yeah. that plays that. scared the absolute piss out of me, like, when I the saw this right? the Jesus. first time. Yeah.
0: I saw some cool pictures of David Lynch, like, <laughs> sitting with the woman. On
2: it, <laughs> it's <guy>. great. Yeah. <laughs> it's so
3: funny.
0: They're just cheesing. Oh, yeah, they're cheesing.
3: Yeah. They're loving it what is i think one of the things that makes that scene so scary is the sound design yeah which is so typically lynch like he i think he does a lot of his own sound design and it's so impressive like because he, just, he
0: does all of his sound design
3: yeah it really
1: it's, it's crazy man how would you describe that sound like the, the a lot of that, that that thing that comes out on it. Yeah.
0: he does a lot of whoosh whooshing. Whooshing is definitely a part of um it. and like a
3: lot of things he does he can wring these unexpected emotions out of things that would otherwise feel goofy or kooky, you know what I mean like a whoosh you don't associate that with any negative feelings necessarily. It just feels like a cartoonish
2: mm-hmm.
3: uh, sound, but he uses them to great effect that scene, the whooshing into the cube mm-hmm. um, any in other movies too like he's 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 a good whoosher,
2: yeah
0: yeah you need to watch out for this when you watch the return trevor there's like a lot of noises that occur you know throughout the series and they're like their own clues you're mm. like in, you're like in episode 18 and you're like wait in episode three we heard that ding during this scene and now we're hearing <laughs> it now during this scene does that okay mean?
3: cool it's true it'll make you a crazy person yeah,
1: so, uh, <laughs> i want to talk about the thing that justin said earlier about like how lynch gets like dream logic really right i just mm-hmm. want to talk about like what that means and like what we interpret is like dream logic and like how difficult that is to portray what is dream logic yeah because like we know like the hollywood like things are just a little weird but like this movie and other like david lynch movies like seem to like hit that very like small target that adds up for like what it's like to be in a dream so what Mm -hmm. it what is that thing (sighs) verbalize it
3: well i think you said something pretty astute Uh, after the movie, Trevor, that for me gets at the uh, one of the things he does well with dreams, and that's he's good at evoking the feeling of there being like a malevolent or other presence in the environment. Mm -hmm. And that's not necessarily indicative of like all dreams, but I feel like there are a lot of dreams where you feel like there's this dread or there's this other sort of nebulous emotion that you're feeling and you don't know why. Mm -hmm. And I think he's really good at that. He's really good at like creating that atmosphere, mm-hmm.
1: it's, it's like uncertainty,
3: you know. Yeah, um,
1: it's like yeah. A, the things I cited for that were uh there's several parts in this movie where there's like knocking on doors, and like the knocking on doors means some, like it's not just like someone's looking for me and they're at the door. It feels more like existential than that. It feels like, what does that door knock mean? <laughs> And then uh, there's another one in Twin Peaks. It's like one of the very first episodes where like Laura Palmer's mother says like someone's upstairs or like who is upstairs or something like that. And there's this like weird, like low wide angle shot of like the bottom of the staircase. And like there's very dramatic shadows on like the ceiling fan, but no one's in it. Like there's no ghost. There's no murderer. It's just something about like that shot. that line because you know like as the viewer you know like no one's in the house but the fact that she thinks someone is in the house just like feels uh like pretty terrifying
3: (laughs) yeah it's weird it's like a weird balance between like inevitability and uncertainty where like you know something's coming or you know someone's here or you know something's going to happen but you just don't know what that could mean for you or what it means in general or who it is it's just this
1: yeah Yeah that's because you said like it was similar to how animals act last night which it's like animals don't like run away because they know exactly like what the danger is they just sense danger they don't know that it's like a cougar or an alligator or a person with a gun or like what that person could even do to hurt them it's just there's like this seventh or sixth sense of like danger yeah and like like we we probably have that too. So I would even say, like, she, uh,
0: dreams are a lot like that sort of Sixth Sense response kind of situation. Because, like, a lot of times in dreams, you're not even the one doing, like, the rationalizing of your actions or, you know, definitely not the stuff that's going on around you. Mm-hmm. So it just has more of the experience of just kind of being, like, detached and surreal. Yeah, for sure. I think I think that's one thing. Yeah. Uh, just one more point. Man, I'm nailing this. <laughs> but... <laughs> There's one thing about, like, watching David Lynch's movies. It's that sometimes, like, they're beyond sort of comprehension. Or, like, you can't even rationalize it. Um, And I think it's done, like, purposely. Like, sometimes the narrative's, like, we're trying to tease out the plot of the story and what happened. But I think, Mm -hmm. like, ultimately we're going to run into situations where it's just unexplainable.
1: Yeah. I don't know if this is, like, in the on-brand with what we're talking about right now. But you're making me think of it where... I want to share with you guys, like, maybe some excerpts from my dream journal. I take a dream, I uh, keep a dream journal. Oh, cool. So it'll help illustrate some of what I'm going to say. But, like, I feel like you guys probably just will know what I'm talking about. When you wake up from a dream, like, everything about the dream, if you remember it, like, makes sense to you still. Like, the whole, like, logic of, like, why people are different people than they are in real life and like why one moment a person was there and a moment they right, weren't right. um
0: for a, for a short amount of time after yeah. you wake up you eventually lose it
1: for a short amount of time like the uh state of mind in which like dream logic actually fits with how your conscious mind works is still there uh-huh but it goes away eventually because you try to explain it to someone like later in the day and you're like none of this is making sense like as i'm yeah. describing it to you so you, you know like. i think that happens huh
0: i i find this phenomenon very interesting and and i think what is happening is that like dreams are allowed to be like non-rational experiences like experiences that the heart the, the difficulty with us trying to explain what happened in a dream is to a certain extent not being able to remember it but sometimes it's also like a situation where it the description of the dream can't even be articulated you can't mm-hmm. even put into words the experience because it's this just non-rational uh uh-huh. thing so as you start waking up your brain starts like turning on the mechanism that tells the brain to make sense of the world
1: yeah all of your like survival inhibitors switch on
0: we are in three-dimensional space you know, solid mm-hmm. objects uh continuity yeah all these kinds of concepts mm-hmm. which i guess our brains had to evolve how to understand at some point but in the absence of all of that you're just like a brain just like hallucinating to itself
1: yeah dude that's like the uh uh i think the penultimate version of existence right where it's mm-hmm. just like you don't experience time or space like you were just something that it exists
0: is. That experience of, like, coming out of the dream is exactly how it feels, like, to come down from, like, psychedelics. Where, Mm -hmm. like, your brain is, as you're losing it, like, your brain, you just can feel it losing the ability to uh, connect with whatever you were just experiencing. Yeah. It's, it's like a very eerily similar feeling.
1: And I think that, like, the reason Lynch is so good at that shit is just because he's, like, such a hardcore, like, meditator. Yeah. That man. he just, like, purposely can put himself in that state of mind and can exist there, like, ironically, in a much more, like, sober way than, like, a lot of other people can. He's just, like, he's, like, built his own portal to dream world. That's what he's yeah. done.
0: <laughs> it's very different than, I feel like David Lynch has, like, two modes or, like, two wells of creativity that he draws from a lot. It's, like, a lot of the dark and scary stuff that, like, makes up, like, a racer head and, like, monsters comes from, like, this kind of Tim Burton pool. And then he's also pulling from this, like, very, like, reality-bending kind of surrealist pool that I think he probably gets a lot of from his meditation.
1: What's his whole deal with, like, the 50s? Why does he love, like, the, like, imagery of that and, like, the way people talk and... I don't know. When did, is, how is he just was the right the
0: age? 50s? Could be.
1: I think
3: he was he was like a teenager, you know, okay. by the time the 50s he grew up in the 50s formative years. Yeah, I think so. He also talks about I mean, I think a lot of really formative things happened then too. Like he has this story that he's told several times about how I'm going to fuck this up, but I think he and his maybe his brother or his friends were out one night, maybe just himself, he was out, they were out one night alone walking the neighborhood and a naked woman uh, came walking down the road toward them. And that is replicated almost exactly in Blue Velvet. Um, And he's told the story enough to sort of indicate that it really made an impression on him. So I think his childhood, and he gets into this a lot in that documentary, The Art Life, which I recommend if you haven't seen. But it's about his life as an artist. And I think uh, his childhood was happy to a certain extent but also like it made a a big impression on it
2: yeah also i think just the
3: 50s being the 50s you know this like sheen of white bread americana Mm
2: -hmm.
3: hiding the darkness you know i think obviously that's that's lynch's
2: bread and butter yeah
0: like whatever uh that jake gyllenhaal movie where he's like back in the 50s and it's black and white whatever that's parodying
1: uh
3: are you thinking of uh, Pleasantville with yeah the Tob
0: Toby McGuire? Yeah, this kind of like really waspy small yeah. American town.
1: I want to see if I can find it. Do you guys got any cool like dream stories? Can you guys remember any of your dreams?
0: The dreams of mine that I've liked the most. I don't. I haven't dreamt much a lot in my adult life, but when I used to have them a lot, were dreams that were like really non-visual, or were really like a majority of the dream is just sort of on a sensation or emotional kind of level. Hmm. And they're the kind of dreams that I like can absolutely not describe to a person like the next day uh-huh. yeah, because there's nothing to describe. Yeah. Right. It's like really not concrete stuff.
3: Yeah.
2: That's yeah.
0: Isn't
3: that weird? Like I think one of my, the dreams that have stuck with me all throughout my entire life is when I had it as, as a kid and visually it's absolutely nothing. It's the sky and a bunch of golden pipes but for some reason, it made me feel a certain way and I I know that feeling but huh. I will never be able to articulate it because it's so s- strange and out of this world, you know? So it's, it's weird that dreams are like that where they can mean so much to you for no perceivable reason.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like you're like uninhibited like emotionally when you're dreaming too, so like something like, it, it couldn't even just be, like, the visual component of it at all. Like, maybe it's just, like, the neuron in your brain that uh, triggers, like, happiness or uh, bliss is, like, firing at the same time that your brain is, like, trying to imagine pipes and skies. And because right. those two things just, like, locked together, it formed some sort of weird, like, branch in your in your brain chemistry. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's, that's, like, the real world explanation for why that stuff happens. But it's interesting that, like... Raul, you say, like, there's stuff that has happened to you that has no visual component at all. It's just, like, raw, like, emotion.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: Can I read you guys, like, a dream that I had once? Oh, sure. This, this is, like... um, I keep a dream journal, like, every now and then if I have, like, a really good one. And if I have the energy to, like, wake up and, like, write it down really quickly. And I do my best to, like describe it in a a voice that makes sense to me um like one that i could recall later instead of just like taking notes really quickly so if they sound like overly written that's why Uh uh-huh okay here's one from march of last year 2019 a man i was speaking to recalled a memory of the present of the president a long time ago this was an alternate history i suppose As he spoke, the dream showed me the memory. He spoke of a man who became the president who looked and sounded a lot like Mr. Rogers. (laughs) He stood in a rainy, windy environment surrounded by 30 or 40 people and close by him was, I assumed, his wife. It was a peaceful meeting. If this man was president, it was likely that these were people, that this group of people was his constituents.
0: I see what you're talking about. You're like talking Uh to yourself yeah you're like i uh, guess if i had to guess this is what uh-huh. these people are
1: there were palm trees nearby the man began to speak and opened with a joke he commented on the lovely weather when it was obviously frightening so i assume that the, it was like stormy weather or, or something so he like was commenting on the weather it was an attempt to lighten an otherwise grim mood he then began to pray thank you lord for bringing us here today we ask for strength and light in a time that will become very gray." Quote. Lightning struck all around the group as he spoke, igniting the trees and the plants. I saw the group from, ab- I saw the group from above and learned uh, that they were on a small island, now completely ablaze, or the people or the man did not move. The narrator said the man felt a presence behind him clutching his, his shoulder. This assured him that they were safe. Cut to black.
0: Cut to black. (laughs) Cut to waking up.
3: (laughs) So I think that's, see, that's a perfect example of, like, just having these really impressionistic feelings and emotions, I guess, surrounding these abstract imagery.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. And it's weird, like, the, I've always found, like, how the perspective, like, your perspective, like, changes. Like, it can be... My dreams kind of feel like movies in a way, like they have structure in some, in some form or another. And that's maybe just cause I have to create that in real life. But uh, like my perspective like changes a lot. Like sometimes I am a character, like if a dream is a scene, like I'm a character in it and I'm experiencing it. And then other times I will like zoom out and then I will be observing that same character and, and sometimes it can even be a simultaneous thing where I, I am that character and I'm also observing that character. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Or I'm like a third party altogether where it's like I'm not involved at all, but like somehow yeah. like I'm experiencing it through someone else.
0: Yeah. I think that's interesting. Like when you're not even like a subject of your dream. Mm-hmm. I think that's like an interesting sort of like uh, mini meditation moment where you're just obviously just experiencing, but you're not anything yourself. Yeah. An old Tibetan monk once told me.
3: <laughs> or you know someone is someone, but you just know because you know. You know, like, I know my uncle was in this dream. I don't remember him exactly. I don't remember his face in this dream, but I just know it was him,
1: you know? It's yes. like mm-hmm.
3: the dream comes with these pre-supplied.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't know. What else have we not talked about with Mulholland Drive?
0: We haven't talked anything about Mulholland Drive.
1: We've been talking about dreams for a long time. For a long time. Yeah. That's fun,
0: favorite? What's your favorite scenes from the movie, I wonder?
1: I think towards the top would be the suicide scene where the old people show up. Just because uh-huh. it's, like, so terrifying. And I think I talked about this on our uh, thing last night where it's just... It's not a jump scare. It's not like I'm physically terrified of this thing that I'm seeing on screen. It's just like it. It feels like a lot. Uh, it's more deeper. of a dread. Yeah, deeper and like very disturbing. You know, in a way that like n- is hard to replicate. Like, and I can't really even think of a lot of other examples of things that make me feel like that. Yeah, it's just this like dread for what I'm seeing, but I'm not like recoiling or. yeah visibly afraid in any way i definitely agree with that assessment
3: yeah that scene man it fucks me up every time and it got me this time too and i think it's for me it's because you you just feel so bad for her like he he really pulls the rug out from under you with that character because you spend the what two-thirds of the movie maybe three-fifths four-fifths of the movie like sort of in this mystery with her but it's it's not you don't feel bad for her you know you she seems to be definitely rooting for her all time you're rooting for her yeah yeah and she seems to be doing just fine and then like when the turn happens you have like what 20 25 minutes of like misery you know you just she's just uh, in a horrible state and to end it like that
0: is just horrific
1: yeah what are your favorite scenes or scene raul
0: so i already said it The the dining room scene with Bushy eyebrow guys who comes back in the return. So okay. look forward to that Trevor. <laughs> he comes back. <laughs> like it's comes back. A, I would connected. love to think of it as the same guy.
1: Yeah. That'd be, great. Uh,
2: that'd be so funny.
0: But yeah, just like a great scene that to me has a lot to do with like the dream discussions that we were having. Cause it's all about a dream of his. And like one of the questions you can ask while you watch that is like, well, is he in a dream or not? Mm hmm. And I said this last night, but it's kind of like almost more terrifying to think that he wasn't in a dream the second time, and that like not only did this guy get like jump scared, but he just like proved the existence of like a demon.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, that's it's that's an obvious thing that we didn't talk about. Where it's like he knows the guy's out there, right? But how would he if it if he wasn't if the dream wasn't real,
0: right? So I really like that scene. I like some of the funny stuff from the movie a lot too. Um just like a lot of the early scenes with uh, um with Naomi Watts, I think are really funny. The the AD yard like dialogue at the beginning gets me every time now. Mm. I I didn't notice it the first time. I don't really spend like a lot of time like uh watching people's mouths very closely, so I totally missed it. But after seeing it, like I get a chuckle every time.
1: Huh okay irene it's so bad (laughs) i can't tell if it's like because i I think i've heard like several people now say that that is like intentional to like illustrate like the artificial nature of like what you're seeing yeah but like i don't know if i fully buy that like it kind of just looks like shitty adr you, that think you, so? the, you see in other movies yeah i kind of yeah.
3: think it's just some yeah it's just due to them filming at an airport
1: yeah um, really adr oh, is like s- is so common that like you see that a lot in other movies so i don't it's not it's not so bad that you could like maybe get a little bit more
0: uh credence to the it being no. intentional
1: no i don't think so and justin it said like, so well in an airport sure we can believe it okay. just like how we we can believe that the the dumpster man is like a loki demon or something mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> can i say my favorite scene is the the club silencio scene when they go watch the oh yeah um, that's a
1: good one mm-hmm.
3: performance no i
0: banda. i love
3: that it's great man it's just so like i said i, I think it kind of maps out the whole movie but also it's just so riveting and the singer i think her name's rebecca del rio is that song's beautiful and it's such a i don't know that scene's crazy yeah yeah mm-hmm.
0: Can I ask a question about it? A technical one. Go. Cool. Do you that that was uh, her actually singing right? You can't get like that good of a matchup between like an ADR voice and the footage.
1: I assume the actress is a professional singer, so it might have been like captured on camera, or at the very least, she is very good at replicating the same song. So. Well, I'll say this at the be at the very beginning of her performance. I may have just
3: been seeing things, but it looked like it was. Pretty obvious that she was lip syncing. Oh really? Um, Yeah, but I I I don't know, and I don't know.
0: I I have to go back for that.
1: The whole like punchline of that scene is that like things play out of sync, right? Right. So I wouldn't be surprised because I thought maybe like she collapsed and then like the singing kept going. Right, Am I remembering that wrong?
0: Nope, no, that's what happened.
1: Okay, so yeah. I mean, it's shot from different angles, too, so who knows?
0: Because there's, like, some scenes that are close-up, the close-up shots of her face where, like, it just occurred to me, like, I don't think it would be possible to, like, ADR this too well because you can, like, see her mouth, like, vibrating, like, when the notes change and everything, and I'm like, that's got to be just her singing.
1: Yeah. I would imagine that the person that you see on camera is the person who actually sang that song. Yeah. But that's not to say that she couldn't have just sung it at multiple times with different different versions being cut over it. Do you do you think
3: in that scene when the she finds the cube in her purse that it's like the the truth like hearing the truth manifested the cube, hearing the truth from the MC talking about how this is all an illusion.
1: Yeah. I think the the video that I referenced before you got here Justin like That's kind of its whole thesis statement Is that like reality Is like kind of constantly at the door Mm. And like there's different stimulus That are attempting to like shift Diane like back over Into reality and that like The MC is like the thing that Totally snaps her out of it
3: Mm. Huh that's cool Mm
1: -hmm. Uh I was gonna ask something about that scene oh what do you make of um betty's like convulsions like during that that was weird and it's like synced up with something like the mc says something and like that's what causes her to do that
0: so there's something like obviously something like really powerful happening to like naomi watts in that scene so if you want to say like maybe that's her like subconscious like trying to kick her back into reality or
1: Yeah or it's like um, the video that I watched and this is just like that one person's theory suggested that it was like um, the whole reason for the dream is sort of um, trying to escape from reality which is that she's like ordered this hit on her friend so it's like it's escapism. Yeah. And so yeah. like reality is much more stressful and anxiety inducing and so like the closer reality comes to like waking her up like the more like physically distressed her body becomes. Yeah. So that was their that was their reason for why the convulsions happened because that's when she was like closest to waking up right there.
0: You know uh, mm-hmm. what is waking her up or like what she
1: yeah the cowboy the cowboy cowboy wakes her up
0: okay he's so mm-hmm. strange i love the whole like uh dark underbelly of hollywood um subplot of this movie i just like i love that idea of it like going to this director and being like this is the girl for like de- demonic reasons or whatever you know satan uh-huh. told them to put the girl <laughs> in the movie. isn't it so funny
3: watching that now in 2020 and it's almost kind of being true with, with like I mean, we now know that Hollywood is run by just creepy rapists and pedophiles, and that does feel very much like how movies are probably cast, you know? It's like Harvey Weinstein saying, this is the girl. (laughs) 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 Don't ask why this is the girl, you know?
1: Mm -hmm. I do think that, um, maybe this just goes without saying, but the whole, like, this is the girl is, like, uh, Diane's, like, subconscious justifying like why she's an unsuccessful actress right Mm. because Uh, it's very interesting because Uh, like someone else was like uh, forcing the director to choose someone other than her but because of that uh, close-up like eye-matching shot that like he was clearly interested in her in the dream world but like his hands were tied that makes so much sense
3: because in the party at the end or where was that it was somewhere in after the turn she says that uh i was up for the role too but the the director didn't like me so he went with her yeah Mm -hmm. she was they were in competition and she saw her as competition and then she saw that the director had favor over her
0: that makes sense yeah Mm -hmm. that's it also makes it it helps clear up my confusion about dream version of those events because the movie that she like uh, really successfully auditioned for in her dream um, didn't interfere at all with the in dream film the director was making other than a very short exchange glances when she's on the set but other than that her and the director's story don't seem to intersect at all in the dream world but the way that that now makes sense to me now is that that was that was just a real world connection that kind of wiggled its way into the dream. But it wasn't the main thing driving her plot line at all.
3: Yeah, you're right. Is that the only time they interact in the first half yeah, of the I movie? So.
1: Is... I think so. I think so. Yeah. In the in the in the dream. They interact outside of the dream. But like out of the right. Dream, right. Yeah. But um, they interact in both. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like not directly. So, like in the dream, it's just that shot where she comes to set, right. And they see each other. But that's it. Yeah. yeah, but that's it.
0: But ju- but just to round that off, the reason I said that is because I was like, uh, whatever happened to that girl? That uh, they were like, this is the girl, because it was just some random blonde
1: person. Is the the that actress the only other time that you see her is in the real uh, the real world party? she like is there she's like a kind of a throwaway like presence she's like says something to the director really quickly and then like that's it that's all you see that's right and i think maybe she walks away and then you see the cowboy but um yeah she's the person that betty like i think slots in for herself in the dream world betty slots in for or not herself um slots in for um the black-haired lady rita which is uh because you see a headshot of that actress, with I forget Rita's actual name, but her last name is Rhodes. Uh huh. And so you see a headshot of the the girl that he has to say this is the girl, and it's it's the Rita, the Rita's uh, real name in real life. Got it. So that's the surrogate for Rita, in the in the real world.
0: Got it. Okay. So that seems pretty clear then. Mm-hmm. That that's like her acting out her real world anxiety about her career in a way that gets explained away by just uh, Hollywood corruption.
1: Yes. Do
3: you, do you think the, at the beginning, um, of the movie that the, so Rita was going to be killed, right? They don't, they, do they point a gun at her or they do, they do something menacing?
1: Yeah. yeah, they point a gun yeah, at her. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. In the beginning. So do you think that if, if we're to think that this is like a dream, that uh, Diane or Betty is sort of like, this is her fantasy of her escaping the hit? Like, not only escaping the hit, but then going on to fall in love with her and it, yes. live it's a life? Fantasy,
0: is it? It's yes. Naomi Watts' fantasy. Yeah. Yes, it's Diane's the, fantasy. The person that she... Uh, sent a hitman sent a hitman to that that was her the beginning of the dream is kind of like what would happen if an attempted hit on her life failed so that was like another way to kind of get herself out of the guilt it's the first thing she dreams of like oh well what if the hit never went through you know you never know what can happen
1: that was one of the first things I thought about because like that's the main reason why she would have amnesia like if you take out the idea that betty is like just a dream character that's unaware of who she is that like if she was playing the part of betty and she was actually um diane like that's exactly how you would want it to go down is that like your significant other just loses your their memory and then you supplant them in their hollywood career but you still get to fall in love and fuck each other soap opera yeah
0: okay so th- this all works pretty well, like, through the lens of imagining this is her subconscious creating, like, everything that happens just, like, makes sense through that lens.
1: I mean, what about the dumpster man, though? Does that... Oh, that's true. That I love sense? this,
0: too. Like, like we're, like, realists and, like, calculus, <laughs> like, fighting it out. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, I think that we've exhausted, like, all of our, like, possible theories Yeah. on this. So let's get some final thoughts. I'll go last.
3: So I've seen this movie probably three or four times now. And I think every time I come away with something, either a different interpretation or I've noticed something that seems to blow my past theories like out of the water completely. Like it just changes. Uh, I liken it to like a, an optical illusion where the more you look at it, the more it starts to shift. But I do think uh, there are some really interesting ladder points that you can grab onto, and Lynch is so good at that, where he has these really tangible plot points or character moments that seem to break through the fog of the dream. And uh, I think this movie is full of those. So that, that was a nothing statement. I don't know where I was going with that. Um, <laughs> I, I love this movie. It makes me feel like shit. So I don't like watching it um, often, you know, cause it's a really harrowing experience and it's also scary. Um, Mm -hmm. But I do think it is the, I would say between this and The Return, this is like, uh, I've heard someone describe The Return as black tar heroine David Lynch, and I feel like this is also black tar heroine David Lynch, it's like Lynch at his most at his core, Um, Mm -hmm. and I love that. I like diving into his disgusting black psyche, but I would say this is... I would actually say this is a 10 out of 10 for me. And I would say it's 10 out of 10 evil miniature grandmas.
1: <laughs> Good.
0: Yeah. This for me is like Lynch drawing from his like meditation absurdist pool more than like his Tim Burton one. I think that's why I like like this in the return the most of, of most of the things he's done. Um, this is also, I think, like my third, maybe fourth time watching this movie. I really like it a lot. Like, it's a movie that is, like, on its surface, sort of, like, satirizing, like, a drama, crime drama, murder mystery kind of movie in a way that just really seems, like, um, detached. Like, I think he's, like, you know, doing it, like, ironically, like, not really making that kind of movie. It's only on its surface. And I think, like, the whole device of that part of the movie being unreal and just, like, all the themes of illusion and reality that are peppered throughout make it into a really nice kind of mindfuck movie i think it's in the genre of a kinds of movie that kind of just really flip the script on you by the end of it mm-hmm. and for that reason i'm giving this movie 8.9 don't buckets. say blue keys blue <laughs> moholland <laughs> drives out of 10 Uh, No, 8.9, pink buckets of paint, out of 10.
1: Solid. That's really good. I'll talk about, like, what I thought of this movie. I thought it was at first, which I thought it was, like, a Buster Scruggs, like, collection of uh, disconnected stories, which it's really not terribly dissimilar from, like, uh, that structure of of a movie. uh, It's not not that. Yeah. I will say, though, that, like, Lynch movies, like, have this effect on me, And I think just maybe anything, like, made by him, where I'm just, like, kind of frustrated in how I'm watching it the first time. I'm just, Mm -hmm. like, not, like, immediately into it because I can't, like, like, shut off, like, my Hollywood way of watching movies, like, immediately. So I just have to, like, watch this, like, weird thing happen to me for a couple hours. And I'm like, what was that? And I really don't immediately afterwards enjoy it it's this like very delayed aftertaste of David Lynch and I think that maybe that'll change as like I just watch him more and he's like more part of like my nostalgic experience but like with my adult brain when I watch something of his I'm just like what's am I getting this and I'm trying to like figure it out and it's just like a an uncomfortable like process for me This movie Um,
0: seems like it would be quite unforgiving to, like, somebody that doesn't know David Lynch, because they, you think you're getting something for, like, you know, the first 30 or 40 minutes, and uh then it just slowly turns into, like, more surreal.
1: It's, like, very, it's very similar to, like, the first time I watched Blue Velvet, where I was just like, what is this? I just, like, kind of, like, uh, turned my nose up at it, like, I just didn't, just didn't get it, just didn't give it the time of day. And it was more receptive to Mulholland Drive, but I definitely had that kind of, like, Ooh, what's happening kind of look in my eye. Yeah. Um, but all that aside, after I had some time to, like, sit with it and, like, revisit it, I think this is terrific. I'm not, like, super familiar with David Lynch, so I can't say, like, how this stacks up on, like, like his movies, but, like, it's the coolest thing I can remember seeing of his. I... Uh, Thoroughly enjoy this movie And like just our discussion alone Is like evidence enough for like How many different ways you can pick it apart Or not pick it apart Which is like the sign of an excellent movie Where it's just like I just want to keep talking about it Like I don't want to I don't want to not talk about it (laughs) And for however much I didn't enjoy my very first Watching experience That alone is like evidence that I actually did enjoy The movie so For my score for this movie um, I'm going to need it to watch it at least one other time to give it a mm-hmm. 10 out of 10, but like, uh, I'm going to go ahead and give it a 9 out of 10 Gene uh, Clean pickup trucks. <laughs> nice. Thanks for listening this week. Our music is by W.
0: Look him up at... at- w on instagram that's underscore and the word double and two years
3: editing this week by grace facet
1: wherever you're listening give us a good rating
0: connect with us at, at filmhole pod on twitter and instagram
1: thanks again see you next week dude isn't is that the best like that's the clearly the best voice i've heard so far
0: Special thanks to Grace Fawcett.
1: Thanks again to our uh, guest this week and third time appearance, Justin Wheatley.
0: Special thanks to Brady Goodman.